for Tom Grobel taking me on his sailing boat. Um, <clears throat> it was quite an experience, I have to admit. It, it, it's just amazing in the beauty of sailing, of course. Um, but the reality is I didn't know the difference between the starboard and the stern. Apparently, you're supposed to check the sheaves before replacing your um, halyards. So I didn't have a clue what this stuff was about, but he was just gentle and guiding, and, and we started going. It wasn't long before I was actually at the helm. And according, um, it, it was, according to that experience, I just got a sense of the beauty, but also the preparation that's involved and all the things, the tools that support when you're navigating the challenges of sailing. In fact, the challenges can be so severe that uh, I found out that the uh, uh, Nautical Institute has uh, created a program it's called Wellness at Sea, promoting onboard health and well-being. And it just went on to talk about dealing with fatigue and poor uh, mental health stress and other issues that uh, seafarers go through as they work daily and spend time on the sea. The Sailor Society recognized the need for a program and it, to combat the physical and mental health issues and wanted to address wellness as a holistic concept. How do they draw people into wellness? And so they focused on social, emotional, physical, intellectual, and spiritual. Because apparently there are risks when sailing and competency needs to interact with a person's sense of wellness. I soon learned that the navigation system was pretty impressive. There was a, a, a GPS a, a system using, of course, its ability to, to navigate with a compass and see, and it was really important for us to reach our destination. The GPS is an incredible thing that uses a compass, right? And it's, it gives you a sense of location. It helps you understand your direction. And for a novice who's in the water, and I'm looking around, I don't see any marks of where I should go, uh, that navigation system is critical. I think we're about to adventure this year as a congregation, as individuals, as a church, into an adventure that we are to look at our own spiritual journeys. And we're going to make an emphasis on that. Our well-being, our sense of connectedness with God and those around us, understanding of ourselves. And to begin that, we're going to focus heavily in our spiritual journey in February. This month, we're going to talk about wellness and getting that sense of a compass. Getting a bearing. Understanding where we are. And we're blessed because we have some curriculum that's guiding us called from Living Compass Ministries. Uh, many of you might know uh, Scott Stoner, uh, former uh, resident in this area, uh, was in Madison. That's how I got to know him. And uh, found this series just really helpful as we navigate. And on top of that, um, there is a lot of information online, livingcompass.org. I think it's in your bulletin. Uh, for those that are online, you might want to search that. And you can find a lot about uh, what they're doing. And because it's funded, uh, you can access a lot of the information freely. What it does, you can see now us uh, what looks like a compass, and it is the heart of what it means uh, to navigate the sea of life we're on, and struggling at times to find points of reference and how do I manage it, and even times when it's not easy, and I have to admit, even when I went sailing with Tom, the waves got a little high for me, just a little bit, and uh, felt that a little bit. Sometimes life gets really hard, sometimes storms hit, and having that sense of a compass is critical. And this whole basis of the series, A Life Worth Living Well, centers on the fact that there are instruments for us. 
There are gifts to us to help us navigate the challenges we face in life. And so as we seek to live a life that's worth living well, may we be guided and may we find the sense of direction. The center text, uh, even for all this curriculum, you can see on that diagram that we've got the heart, soul, mind, and strength, which sounds like Jesus' response to being asked. Um, in particular, in the Gospel of Mark, uh, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus responds, to love God with your heart, all your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is like it. In other words, the second is essentially connected to the first. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So here we have it. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. They give us a sense of our, how our spiritual lives give connectedness uh, to uh, the well-being of our holistic approach to life. And we're going to journey that together. And I pray that you'll spend time looking at this and encourage you to take an assessment that will give you a result that looks like something like this. That will look at the areas of your heart, uh, which has to do with what we'll look at today, emotions and relationships. Um, then there's aspects of strength and mind and uh, um, what I leave out, soul. And each of these will be giving you a kind of a mark so you can kind of say, okay, I, I'm doing pretty well in this area. And, and here, um, we never say you stink. We, we say here's a growth area. Um, and uh, you might pick one of those areas in the next several weeks just to say, okay, God, what steps could I make to be in a better place? Because ultimately, wellness is about stepping back in life, taking a breath, and assessing where I'm at. And, and this is not like a 10-step program or um, how you know a program of what I need to do in order to get healthier per se. It's more of an ability for us to assess where we are and then maybe gain some understandings of what steps I might want to take forward, recognizing my present condition and assessing how I go forward. So that's the diagram that will guide us in that. So I encourage you um, in the next few days maybe just to go online and take the assessment and see where, how you're doing and just see how your wellness is. Um, and maybe this will support the New Year's resolutions that you're making this year. I won't do a show of hands, uh, but I bet you a good number of you are some, making some decisions. The New Year gives you a good start. And I'm sorry for those of you who already fell off the wagon, but hey, you made an attempt. Hang in there. Um, I share with you how many times in my life I learned really well the first 12, 15 chapters of Genesis. No confession beyond that. But today we're going to look now into the aspect of our heart and our emotions. The heart has that sense of emotions and relationships that are critical for our well-being, and we're going to try to assess how we're doing with that. And so the first scripture lesson comes from Ephesians in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all your malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Emotions and what we do with them is so critical. But sometimes we understand emotions as just being negative. And sometimes we just, um, we, we, we kind of repress some certain emotions because we think they're wrong and we shouldn't be experienced. But we find from research and, and really from even the text of today, we would think anger is not a good emotion, but it actually plays a role. 
But when any emotion can starts to consume us and lead us in ways that we don't need to act or shouldn't act, that's when the problem occurs. It's our response to the emotion we're feeling. We can have verbal skills. We can have pure rationality. And we can be considered smart. But if you have emotions and empathy, they can make you brilliant, decisive, compassionate human beings. Emotional intelligence becomes so popular in understanding what it means to be healthy and whole. How do you do with your emotions? Sometimes our emotions, we look again and, and we just see a specific way in which we have them. And I love the song, If You're Happy and You Know It, Clap Your Hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. You, you can do this with me, can't you? If you're happy and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Isn't that nice? It just gives you a smile. But the reality is that, that song focuses on how we respond to an emotion. If we're happiness, demonstrate it. If you're feeling generous and you cling to generosity, your life is so different and you respond to it. But sometimes the negative emotions, we're not allowed to have the same type of response. And I want to encourage you to think about what are my responses. And research shows that our ability to recognize even our negative emotions helps us to experience even fully the positive ones. And when we put a barrier up against negative emotions, we tend to put a barrier up to our positive emotions. And when we start talking about relationships in a moment, we can see a challenge there. It's interesting, after uh, the service yesterday, I had a school teacher come up to me and said that they taught their children an expression that sums all the sense of, of wellness around emotions is. And they say this, all feelings are okay as long as we use them in a healthy way. Because every emotion is telling us something, Right? Why are we responding the way I would do? That's the question to ask. Not I'm angry and then I just lash out. But I'm angry and I need to understand why. What's the injustice? What's being hurt? What's boundaries being overstepped? What abuse is happening? And how might I respond? Emotions are important to us. And they play a role. They're a thermostat to how we're doing and how well we are and in our sense of being in the time and the moment in which we experience that. And so it's really about how we respond to our emotions. If we're experiencing disappointment, if we're feeling sad, a bit discouraged, it's not good or bad, it's just a reality we're facing. And our response can be a variety of things. Sometimes discouragement leads us to just being cranky, criticizing. Or we decide, well, with disappointment, I'm just going to isolate and move away. But I think when we see that the purpose of emotion is to prepare us to situations we're in, sometimes it can just, I can choose to handle that emotion. I can share my sadness and disappointment, choose to acknowledge in a vulnerable way the sadness I'm feeling and the opportunity for us to move to a better place altogether. Much is written about emotional intelligence, your EQ, your emotional quotient. Um, I love how it challenges us to see that the greater satisfaction comes when we experience um, all the aspects of our emotions and understand their role. And a high degree of emotional intelligence is connected with empathy, our ability to be aware of the situation we're in, to be able to stay calm and centered 
I wish I could do that better, but I'm praying God will help me. In the midst of strong emotions around us, and sometimes we get a knee-jerk response, but it's amazing when we can become aware of our emotions, how we might move into situations differently. And when we're facing that, there's several things we might consider. Feel and express the full range of emotions in a healthier manner. Write down some of your emotions and your responses and start asking yourself or ask a friend to help you. How am I responding to these situations? Am I comfortable adapting to the situations I'm emotionally responding to? Have a variety of tools in order. What helps you? Counting to 10, deep breaths, going to a certain place, whatever it is, emptying your heart to God in a moment of prayer. Um, these are ways in which the tools that we can support ourselves, maintain a sense of humor, provide positive feedback. Don't take ourselves too seriously. And that's something that we value at this church, right? Fun-loving. We take the gospel desperately seriously. But we're careful about taking ourselves too seriously. And we're aware of our emotional wake when we enter a situation. So how is it with your soul in terms of how you do with all the variety? In our text today, it challenges us about anger. Do not let the sun go down on it. Be aware of it and assess how we're doing. Anger can just have this ability to lead us in darker places, but it can also help us to be strong and to be responsive in positive, helpful ways. All the emotions can give us a blessing or direction. It's interesting when I do premarital counseling, how often I get to this one section and prepare and rich. And if some of you are about to take that, don't listen. But when I get a response, it's interesting. Questions like, I would never question my love for my partner. I love that. Who among us early on in our relationships would go, absolutely, I would never question it. How many of us have been around the block long enough to say, oh, I have my moments? <laughs> Why? Because my emotions guide my sense of what it means to love. Or that I would, um, anything related to the sense of that I might be discouraged or feel separated or isolated, I'll never question my love. All those kinds of questions challenge us because we think that um, all we do is make the commitment, put on the ring, and things are fine. But love is a beautiful thing, or marriage is a beautiful thing because it helps us to grow. And we understand ourselves deeper, and we understand it takes work. Can you imagine if we think our physical health, all we do is say, yep, I want to be physically healthy. Never walk or move, work out, never choose the right things to eat. So today, when we think about our emotions, how might we respond? Jesus had emotions. He had joy. He had exhaustion. He had anger. He had disappointment. He had sorrow. He also had compassion. He was frustrated because it seemed like those disciples couldn't catch on. And there's agony and there's empathy. All the emotions help us, guide us in a stronger sense of life, and it's being aware of that to make sure that we're responding in a way that not only honors God, but honors those and loves those around us and is respectful to our own being. We can sing, if you're happy and you know, clap your hands. It's a beautiful reminder of the joy. But maybe, just maybe we need to say, if you're angry and you know it, take a deep breath and ask why. If you're angry and you know it, take a deep breath and ask why. If you're angry and you know it, then your life will surely show it. 
Take a deep breath and ask why. Or if I'm sad and I know it, share it with a friend. What are the emotions we're facing? And may they be guidance. And that leads to our final section today of looking at the heart, that section of our wellness that has to do with relationships. And our emotions are tied so closely to this, it helps us understand them. Relationships are the center of our heart. And they have to do with our feelings, but really the sense of love and relationships goes deeper than some sense of an emotion. It moves into the second part of responding to emotion. It goes into decision-making. And what happens when we tie love, pure, compassionate, agape love to our relationships is we begin to understand it's a decision we make. And when we lose that is when we find ourselves in trouble. I want to refer to the, one of those great hymns, 1965, The Righteous Brothers, right? Now there's no welcome look in your eyes. I don't know how to sing this. In your eyes when I reach for you. I know, um, and now you're starting to criticize little things I do. This is verse 2, by the way. It makes me um, just feel like crying because, baby, something beautiful is dying. You lost your love and feeling, your love and feeling. And, and we have to find ourselves that we live a um, we respond to a gospel message that says our central symbol is the cross, and the cross is a demonstration of love. It's more than a feeling. It's a decision. It's commitment, and it's sacrifice, and that's its beauty. So may we find quality ways in which to deepen our relationships because making relationships healthy is important. We found that unhappy relationships increase your chances of being sick by 35%. And it can shorten your life up to four years. Like I've said about other things, if this were a pill, you'd take it. And God is giving us a wellness, a centering, a compass for our lives to say that our relationships deserve our energy and effort. Just like working out can help us in our, in our ability to be strong and flexible, a greater sense of well-being, so can our emphasis on learning to commit ourselves to love. It can help and strengthen us and allow us more flexibility. Good relationships just don't happen anymore then good health just happens. It requires an ongoing commitment. I remember a missionary coming to speak to us. He was from India, and he spoke to our youth group, and he said, so often the problem is in America that you fall in love. Where in India, we grow in love. We may meet our bride for the first time. But there's a sense of commitment and growing in that. Author Gary Smalley talks about the idea that love is not a feeling, but that love is a decision. Another way to say that is you just, not just a matter of the heart, but also a matter of the will that connects us to that reality. And I, when we see that connection of our emotions and our love and our commitment to others, maybe it's our response to situations. So often we might have a reactive situation. We have a situation and we get a feeling to it. And instead of taking time to understand the feeling, to be reflective, we act. It's called reactive, right? And then when it's all said and done, then we think. And hasn't that gotten us in trouble before? Maybe we can think about how we might 
respond to situations in life by once, at first, understanding our feeling, reflecting upon how I respond, and then acting. Our lesson today from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, it reads this, Do to others as you would have them do to you. The power of that is an understanding that how we relate to others is in the ways that we understand. I might say that Jesus might even offer a recommendation to that, that common saying, and that is do to others as they would like to have things done to them. Because sometimes we mess up. We assume. And we're not aware of the other as well. But that connectedness to relationships, that sense of the other, is empowering for our own health and well-being. Then from Colossians chapter 3, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you so you also must forgive. Above all, call yourself with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The power of this text reminds us that really it's a decision. These are actions, choosing to be compassionate, choosing to be kind, choosing to be humble, choosing to be gentle. That's what love is. It's a choice. Don't get me wrong. I love the emotional part of love. But I know it can be fleeting. And it's dangerous to base a relationship on that. Because when we slip in sometimes into that popular saying, grass is greener on the other side of the fence in our relationships, whether it's marital or friendship or work or whatever, I want to encourage you to think in terms of how we might make relationships well is understand that grass is greener where we grow it, where we water it, where we nurture it, where we give attention to it. So as we enter into this series of looking at wellness, I encourage you to, again, take a look at the assessment online with livingcompass.org and maybe even join us for a class this Wednesday at 6 o'clock in the Walnut Room where we're going to spend some time on French, or what we call wellness circles, and it's going to encourage us how we might take seriously these areas of our lives and how we might grow together. Our faith is clearly a primary compass for us. At least I hope it is. But maybe you and I can both reassess this coming year, how we move into the spiritual journey that we're encountering, that we have a sense of wellness centered on the gospel's love and grace revealed in Christ for us. It is an amazing story that the, that the kings, the magi, found Jesus. What they had to navigate, it's amazing to think about, to find May that same guiding presence be with us as we seek for a compass to nurture our wellness. Let us pray. Loving God, as we prepare now for this time of Holy Communion, we ask that we be vulnerable enough to allow your spirit to speak wellness and encouragement and healing and forgiveness into our lives. That you would invite us to the table as we are, Knowing that, God, if we allow you, we can leave changed, stronger, more connected. 
Not because we have all the belief system right. Not because we have all the religious stuff worked out. We're still working through a lot of the mystery as, as human beings. But there is a sense of love that can speak to the depths of our soul. Understanding our emotions. Expressing love in our relationships. Be honored in all that we do. And guide to this t- place, this, this table of grace and love and mercy. Lead us now in the truth of your love. Amen.